In the long run, men only hit what they aim for. Therefore, they had better aim at something high. Henry David Thoreau Welcome to the Modern Contemplative Podcast. I'm your host, J. Randall Ori. Thank you for joining me. It's early morning. Barely light. I don't think even the mosquitoes are up. <laughs> uh, but the cicada are. I don't know if you can hear them. It's the season of cicada. It's late summer. Um, and it's threatening rain, so we'll see what happens. If you've never joined me before, then I take you all out with me on the trails to record these podcasts. So you can enjoy the sounds while I enjoy the sights. Um, there's a, just a small acreage of woods close to my house. It's a, kept up by a college, a local college. So I come out here. Um, it's just a place for me of peace, quiet. Although there is the occasional jogger that startles me <laughs> from time to time. Or the dog walker. Um, that's why I come out early, early. It seems to be more quiet, so... I like that Henry David Thoreau quote um, about aim. That's what we want to talk about today. Um, we've been in a series called The Practice of Stillness. We've, this is part four. We've talked about shalom, the Jewish idea of peace. We've talked about aestheticism, the idea of letting go and quieting our desires in order to really hear and see and find peace. And last podcast, we talked about seasons, about being in tune with the world around us instead of in opposition to it. Today, we're going to talk about vision. So, vision is about where we're going. It's about aim. That's why I started with that quote. Right now, my vision is very limited. I can hardly see I'm in the middle of woods. I didn't expect it to be this dark <laughs> this morning. I get up around the same time, but the days are getting a little shorter. Um, I guess when when time falls back, <laughs> maybe I'll get a little more light. But, um, you know, we want to see where we're going, right? It's important. Um, as I've gotten a little older, uh, my eyes don't focus through my glasses as well. I have to take my glasses off when I'm doing close-up work, and I have to put them back on when I'm doing far away work and that's kind of annoying sometimes you know I'm like I'm just I can't see as well and I have to put my glasses on take them off and then the light is a factor I like to really see what I'm doing some of the work that I do in construction is fine work it's uh, finished carpentry it needs to look good so I need to be able to look well to make it look good right Seeing, being able to see matters. It makes a big difference. It's important. 
and it's important in life too. We all have a vision. We all have somewhere we're trying to get to, sometimes. Sometimes we're simply trying to get away from something, not to something. Um, but we have something in our lives that's moving us along. Uh, I think that's true for all of us. We have something that's motivating us to get up every day. But is it something worth getting up for? I think for a lot of people, there's not a great motivation in life. You know, this is, this is why people struggle with depression. They don't have a great reason to live or great motivation to get up. And life can become monotonous. Um, it can be drolling, just kind of repetitious, mundane. Sometimes we find that we're kind of just going through the motions and in our marriages and our relationships and our job. One of the things I really like about my job is the challenge. You know, sometimes that can be frustrating when things aren't going well or when I hit obstacles or encounter problems, but that's also what I like. It's exciting. It's, it's always something challenging to figure out. It's stimulating, right? We want to be stimulated. We want to be challenged. That's what life uh, is for. It's what makes life good. If everything's the same, everything just happens always the way it's always happened, that can be boring. And I think it's interesting um, we t can tend to gravitate towards sameness, towards familiarity. That's where we feel grounded. At the same time, it can also be dull. And so I think there is this tension in life when it comes to vision and where we're moving to. Sometimes we gravitate towards what we already know, and we do this very often. We do it in our relationships, friendships. Look at Facebook discussions. You know, we like to hear what we already believe. We like to hear what we, be what we believe affirmed. We, it's comforting to be in a space, a place, an ideology, a group that affirms what we already believe and who we are. It's comforting. Familiarity. It's comforting. At the same time, we need challenge and we don't, you know, we don't want to get stagnant by what just simply always remaining and just living out of where we already are. I am a voracious learner. I just love new. That's also why I like hiking. That's why I come out here. When I first um, started walking in these trails, I just was always excited to see where this next trail went. And now I know every single trail. <laughs> Although I was excited, I thought I knew every trail. A couple weeks ago, I came out with a friend who actually went to this college and has spent a lot more time on the trails than me, and he showed me a new trail. It was exciting. It was, there were some dilapidated buildings that I hadn't seen before. Uh, another well house. I, there's one old well house that I knew about. There was another larger well house on this trail I'd never seen before. It was exciting. It's exciting to go new places, to have new experiences. Um, it's part of what makes life worth getting up for, worth living. And yet there is is this tension 
between what we know, where we are, where we've been, and where we are trying to go. Um, in some ways, we need the familiar to ground us as we move forward. You know, can't be all unfamiliar. That's disorienting. So we need a foundation as we move forward. But we also need to be moving forward. And we need, for that journey, we need an aim. We need a direction. We need a vision. And so, uh, what is our vision for life? What is a good vision for life? Well, let's talk about the American vision. This is a, that's a good place to start. It's what we also could call the American dream. Um, my spiritual teacher, Richard Rohr, calls this the path of ascent. It's an upward mobility, you know. Um, it's, tr it's climbing the ladder, the ladder of success. What does that mean? What does it mean to be successful? What does it mean to achieve the American dream? Um, just on the surface, it's like the house, 2.5 kids, the wife, the job, um, the nice car, vacations, maybe a boat, a jet ski, a motorcycle. You know, it's like bigger and better. It's always the next raise, the next pay level, the next nicer neighborhood, the nice clothes, the new car. It's acquirement. I've talked about external acquirement before, but the American dream is basically material external acquirement. It's always the new thing, the bigger thing. More. It's about more. And that's when I talked about aestheticism, I talked about the danger of more, the, an appetite, a growing appetite for more that actually does not bring satisfaction. And I really think uh, we're seeing a change in this idea of what makes life good. And this, you know, what we've called the American dream, this, this idea of more of external acquirement of materialism consumerism like i really appreciate the millennial generation i think in a lot of ways they have seen they can look back and see where this path leads to and they in a lot of ways have rejected that path they've seen the emptiness of it and i i praise them for that and i i think that they are in a good place to embark on a new journey of a different kind of vision, a different dream than what the American dream has meant. Um, I think it, we're all kind of going through that, but I think at times uh, the older generations can simply just cling to the old path, the old vision, and fight against the new. That's very true. But I like that we've come to this place at least to say, well, maybe this isn't what the good life is about. Just getting more and more stuff. And, and I think we can see, we're, we are seeing the detriment of all that, especially to, to um, the environment and to the world. Like overproducing and over exacerbating our resources, you know? Things don't last forever. There's not an endless supply of oil in the world. You know, I hear people talk about this all the time, you know, like how long will our oil reserves last? 
And can we keep dumping chemicals into the soil and the water? You know, I think even the very question, like, recognizes the fact that we're doing things that aren't sustainable. But why? Why are we even doing this? What is the foundational drive? That's vision. It's about vision. It's about individually, what are we trying to achieve for ourselves? Where are we trying to get to? You know, in the American, and I would say the, the first world industrial vision has been to achieve, to produce, to create a certain kind of world, a certain kind of level of comfort, certain level of ownership and possession and acquisition to have. Oh, there's a little Robin that's, he was kind of hanging out with me for a second. Um, you know, that kind of reminds me, like, wh where do we find joy? Um, external acquirement, this American dream says, our joy, our happiness, our comfort, our satisfaction comes in more. And so, like, we just, it's this repetitive, drolling cycle always more and more and more it's like I got the new phone now there's another new phone I got the new car now there's a nicer car every time you buy something the newer version comes out like two months later it feels like there's always something better there's always more it's a never-ending cycle more like is that what it means to be moving up is that the vision for life is just to get more it's just to get newer and better as soon as you get the new, it's old. Like, that is a dead-end vision. It doesn't really take you anywhere. And I think we're waking up to that. Well, it doesn't take you anywhere in terms of goodness, but it does take us somewhere. Look where it's taken us. You know, fighting over resources, uh, trade deals, and fighting for space and land and power to control all the resources. You know, some people have so much, others have so little. So, it has taken us to a place. Some would say the American dream has become the American nightmare. You know, and I think we're waking up from that nightmare. We're rubbing our eyes, and we're opening our eyes, and we're asking, what is life really about? What should we be dreaming of? What should we, what should we be reaching for? Maybe this isn't it. The path of ascent. Um, my spiritual teacher, Roar, says we actually should be on a path of descent. It's a different kind of vision. It's a vision of... And this also really entails stillness. It's, it's a vision of drawing in, not reaching out. Drawing in... It's a vision of stripping down, figuring out who you are at the core and what really matters and like drawing in and stripping away all the unnecessary so that we can move through life, move towards the right goals. It's not a betterment. I don't know if you realize this, but the mentality of betterment means that there's something wrong with you. You need to become something more. It means that you're not enough just in who you are. And I think that's the other side of this material acquirement. Is like It's not just about getting stuff, but it's about identity. 
and an identity founded in what you have and possess and control and own. And like that, at the heart of that is a message that says who you are by yourself, just in yourself is not enough. But it also says who you are is about what's, what you're attached to. It's about attachments. And <laughs> it's about proving yourself through what you own or what you can do. And I've talked about identity grounded in doing and knowing is unstable. We need to ground our identity in being who we are. So that has to do with a vision. Like, what's your vision of what makes life good? What's your vision of who you're trying to be and become? And like, the idea of as of descent versus ascent is who you're becoming is who you already are. You're trying to get back to this essential kind of core of who you are. Ascent means to you're becoming someone. Like, you have to get more to become who you're meant to be. It's a it's an acquirement. But it says that then who you are is always deficient and needs more and more and more. And like, there's never enough. But the beauty of the decent vision is we've, we've actually adopted a lot of things into our identity that need to be stripped away to find and to discover that who we've always been at the core is all we really need to be and who we really are. Descent is a stripping away to discover there's goodness in just being who you are and you don't need anything. You don't need to get anything or get anywhere or get more of anything to just be who you are. And there's a, there is a vision. Ascent and descent just talks about this idea of vision where you're trying to go in life in different ways. Um descent and this is contemplative practice and the contemplative mindset and mindfulness meditation is about drawing inward doing interior work rediscovering yourself and that you don't need anything externally even relationships and you don't you don't need to ground yourself in anything externally to be content to know that life is good to be happy to be comfortable. Um, so, vision is important. Where are you trying to get to in life? Who are you trying to become? And I think a lot of times we get lost in that pursuit. Like we, I would say if you ask someone, who, who are you, ask that question, who are you trying to become? They might even look at you funny like, well, I'm trying to get... You know, I'm, right now I'm working towards that next promotion. Well, that's good, but who are you trying to become? You know, I think what I'm saying is we may not frame the, the question of vision in terms of who we are and who we're trying to become. It's starting to rain a little bit more steady now. <laughs> I'm going to head towards the shelter. Um, but, that, but what we may not realize is that it is all about who we are becoming, like what we're pursuing is about who we're becoming. And if we don't stop and recognize the core of that journey, then we're going to end up chasing things and adopting a vision and a direction in life that may not be that good. Like who you're becoming is all about this vision and, and direction. But if you don't even recognize that much, you're not going to get anywhere good. If you think 
that direction and vision is about acquirement and you know the next raise and you know there's so many things you could make that about it's really coming down now I better pick up the pace I have a vision right now a direction <laughs> towards shelter <laughs> it's just momentary it's my immediate goal uh. Okay. Wow, sorry about that. I thought I'd just stopped recording. Well, let's see, maybe I'll edit that. <laughs> um, when we get confused about vision, and we think it's about, when we make it about goals of acquirement, you know, and acquirement can mean so many things, knowledge, success, power, recognition, affirmation, it's all external. It's all outside ourselves. There is a great danger when our vision is about what's outside of us. When our vision is about moving towards some external achievement, place, position. Um, because, I mean, think about it. Everything then is about what is outside of us and outside of our control. And it grounds our vision in a place and, and things that are very unstable and, and very unreachable in some ways. You know, if that next promotion or that next um, position at work is your goal, there may be 3,000 other people. Reaching for that one position, just like you. Well, guess what? 2,999 people are going to be disappointed. It's not in their control. It's, you know, you, you may be doing what's in your control to reach that position. But again, like, it's in the hands of some person and how they perceive. And do they even see the work you're doing? Do they even see the, you know, the late hours and the heart that you're pouring into this job? You could do so much and they... And it doesn't even get seen. That's very frustrating. Is that the vision for your life? Is that a vision you're trying to get to? Are you trying to buy your first house? You know, you're at the mercy of a bank deciding whether or not you look safe enough to get a home loan. Um, you know, our vision grounded in things outside of ourselves is a very fickle and frustrating kind of endeavor and the de the path of descent which brings us into ourselves also brings vision within the reach of what we truly can control the external world in every way you know is outside of our control what we truly control is really only within us and the descenting path, that path away from the external and the things that can be had there is that path into our true power, into what we truly can achieve, into a vision that is truly reachable, always for every person. You know, 
with so much disparity in our society in the world. First world, third world. I read somewhere that there's a, I think, fifth world. Someone was, I can't remember what country it was, but it was talking about this country that's poorer than third world. I didn't even know there was a, a world poorer than third. I thought third world was the poorest. There's actually a couple levels below that. Um, there's great disparity in the world. Some people have so much and others have so little and, and none of us has the same opportunities. We each have a kind of a unique place and so like there's so many gaps in the external. It, it, you know, I guess what I'm saying is if that's where we're looking for a vision and a goal and an aim, it's like I think we're going to be frustrated and there's so much disparity that I think that's a recipe and a formula for giving up and for deciding that we can't reach our goals, you know. Like, we'll go through life, we'll reach for these things, and very few will come to us. And so I think in that world, in that realm, in the acquirement, in the ascending external kind of vision realm, mostly we're going to feel like we failed in life. You know, whatever that means for you. Maybe it meant, you know, owning your own home and you had to rent the, your whole life. You failed. Maybe that meant getting that great position at work or that certain level of income and you didn't get there and you failed. Like, I would say if you're failing and the goals of your life, you don't need to reassess your efforts. Maybe you need to reassess the goals. You know, what are you reaching for? And contemplation, this descending path says, reach inward. It's about becoming who you're meant to be. That's what vision is about. And that's what contemplation seeks to draw us into. And uh, that's another thing about vision. So all we've talked about here is creating our own vision. The idea that we can, that we get to just wake up and pick a path, set out. You know, the world is ours for the taking. I, kids are told, you know, this is just, a, this is an American mantra perhaps, not a not in other cultures, but it's like, what do you want to become? You can be anything. You can be the president of the United States. You know, you can be anything you want, and yet we're confronted by a world where that's not true. There's great limitation for every single person. You have certain abilities, you have certain opportunities, and those are limited. Um, you know, we think of vision as... When we think of vision as external and an ascending path, we think of vision as self-created as well. Like endless possibilities. We think there's just this, you know, we, I think we can picture it like a child starting out in life and they get a good education and they have a decent middle class family income and, you know, they come from, you know just middle America and they can kind of go anywhere and do anything, right? Or there's certainly a lot of possibilities. That's kind of the American dream is like just get your piece of the pie and 
like pick a path, stay with it. You know, at every stage of childhood, it's like kids are taught to try and figure out what they want. This is our, our message. What do you want? What do you want to do? What do you, you know, when you're graduating high school, what do you want to be when you're a child? What do you want to be when you grow up? A fireman, a superhero, a doctor, a policeman? <laughs> it's always what do you want and what do you want to be and what do you want to become? Well, well that very idea is rooted in choosing for ourselves who we are and who we become and where we go. So there's a there's this there's a competing in like the large sense there's a competing idea about vision and most of the world and most of our lives are experiences this idea that we create our own vision. But contemplation seeks to point us to this reality that maybe there is a vision for our life that is actually predetermined like that is actually created by somebody else outside of ourselves we don't create our own vision so I think immediately a lot of red flags might go up for us like even especially for Americans and Westerners and you know people that are grounded in this idea of personal rights and freedom and like the freedom you know, to pursue what we want. That's in our Constitution. Um, all men are created equal and should have, you know, the right, uh, the liberty to... Uh, I'm totally forgetting this right now, but... Um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? You know, like, the idea is that we're free to do whatever we want and choose whatever we want and go wherever we want. And so this... Um, it feels even just innate within our soul like that we shouldn't be limited and we shouldn't like we shouldn't be forced in a direction in our lives and i don't think that's untrue necessarily but i think it can seem very foreign and even not very good to say that there is a higher power who has decided and determined a path for us but if we think about it in terms of our person, maybe it's not so crazy. You were born to a certain family in a certain place in a certain time with certain abilities. And a lot of times, even in our discovery of what we want to do, part of that is figuring out what we're good at, what comes to us naturally, right? Um, there seem, we seem to be predisposed with certain abilities and certain interests. And so some of... The messaging in our culture is be whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. And some of it also is like discover who you are, what you like. It's like this idea that that's already it's already there. Like you to discover. You can't discover something that's not already there. Like do you create your own vision, or is it there for you to discover? Um, and I think we find these competing ideas even in ourselves. Like. We are actually pursuing two different visions a lot of times. There's a schizophrenia in our pursuit. Like, are we deciding our own vision and moving in our own direction and free to go wherever we want? Or is it already kind of built into us? I think we can see both at play. And we can kind of go back and forth between the two. And I think we may not even realize that we have this schizophrenic view of direction and vision and aim. Like... 
There are certain things that seem to be built into us, certain desires, a propensity towards certain potentials and certain interests. And so I think in that way, we can begin to see that, yes, maybe we were created a certain way to be a certain person, to, to pursue certain things. Maybe we do have something we were designed for, made for, and created for, a purpose. Maybe there is something we are meant to do in the world and give to the world and birth into the world. You know, maybe there's something uniquely created just for us. A place and a purpose. Something we were made for. I love the hero story. You know, we all love the hero story. You know, we think of Luke Skywalker, the origin story like Batman. And it's like, it's always the story of figuring out what you were made for. You have a destiny, you know. And I, that's the hero story to a T. It's like, they're not figuring out what they're supposed to be doing or what they want to do, but they're trying to figure out what they were meant to do. And that's that you know that resonates with us so much because it is true. We were made for a purpose. We were made for a specific reason. We were created with a pre-written with pre-written potential and direction and vision. And that feels good, right? In some ways. In some ways we chafe against it. We don't like to be told what we have to do that we don't have a choice, right? We feel somehow that we do have a choice. At the same time, how good it feels to think, to believe that maybe we were made for a specific purpose and we have a hero's journey, each of us, to take for ourselves, to discover who we are, who we're meant to be and what we are, we're meant to do in this world. <clears throat> And so we have to rectify these competing ideas of vision. Are we choosing for ourselves? Or is it pre-written? Is there a path? Or maybe there's a balance. Like we do have free will, I believe that. We're not automatons and robots, you know. We're not organic machines. Um, we do have choice. But also, I do believe there is a vision for our lives greater than ourselves. It's inside us and it's also outside us in the biggest sense. And contemplation seeks to get us in tune with that vision, with that, that's the source of that vision, which religion calls God. This, this collective consciousness, this cosmic consciousness, like this idea that the, the whole universe is kind of moving towards an ultimate goal. And we are all parts, and, and we must become our part for the whole to work. That's what contemplation calls unitive consciousness. But it, has, it is this idea that there is a vision for our lives, each individually and also collectively, globally, cosmologically. You know, there's this huge truth that we can step into of who we're meant to be and the part that we are meant to play. <laughs> I've probably mentioned this song before, but I really like this Pink Floyd song. Um, I, think it's, I think it's Wish You Were Here is the song, but there's this, there's, there's this, you know, it's a lot of it's junked position about 
what are you choosing in life? And there's this one line that says, um, uh, did you trade a walk-on part in the war for a lead role in a cage? I love that. It's like, you know, what are you seeking in life? You're trying to be this huge, powerful person and it's actually a cage, you know? Or can you accept that maybe you're just a part of this bigger picture, but it's actually freeing for you and it's freedom. It's what you're meant to be, you know? What are you pursuing? What is your vision? We wrestle between like just limitless possibilities, which can be confusing, or maybe a limited possibility, which gives us direction. So I think we have to figure that out when it comes to vision. Um, what vision, well, what even constitutes vision? Is it just whatever we want or is there a preset kind of determined vision for us that we're reaching for? I think that's what we wrestle with a lot. Um, we have to figure that out. And sometimes we're like dancing between the two. We want to think, we want to believe that there is a vision for our lives. And at times we wrestle and we get frustrated and we reject that idea. And we go off on our own. I think for most of us, we probably, like maybe we even want to believe there is this vision, this external, this, this vision greater than ourselves that we're a part of. But for most of us, I think we feel like we struggle to tap into that, to understand it. And so maybe for most of us, we just create our own and move on. You know, we kind of muddle through. We do the best we can and we kind of seek meaning and, and contentment, purpose where we can. But do we not yearn? Do we not feel that there is more? Do we not want to know that we're here for a reason, that, you know, that it's not meaningless? And I, uh, I believe that any meaning we create for ourselves is meaningless. Like, I don't think we can trick ourselves when it comes to meaning and vision. That if it's self-created, it's relative. Like, there is no big picture unless we can truly be in tune with a picture bigger than ourselves, which means that there is a vision bigger than us and a meaning and a purpose more than what we can create. So it has to be, any true vision and meaning that is worthwhile has to be bigger than what we can figure out, create, and manufacture for ourselves. How do we tap into it? Contemplation says you've got to go in. You've got to strip away all the messaging and the narratives that you've been sold by your culture, by even maybe your parents and maybe even your religion. Heaven forbid <laughs> your religion has led you astray. <laughs> but like, maybe we need to strip away a lot of things, go inward and figure ourselves out. Like maybe the, the secret to this big vision that is 
so big that we can't even reach and touch it actually is inside of us because maybe they're the same thing, right? If there is a God, if there is this cosmic energy, this higher consciousness like that created all things, that, that, that has this meta purpose and meaning and vision, like that energy consciousness also created you and maybe put that inside you. Like you don't need to go out. And if, if you like the hero journey, I think always leads, leads them back to themselves. It's like it's an external, often it's, it's pictured as an external journey, but it actually brings them to themselves always. It's like they have to figure out who they are inside, the, the purpose and it's like the recipe, everything in there. Everything about your purpose is already inside you to be unlocked. You don't have to go out and get it and go out and discover it. You have to go in. It's descending, not ascending again. Maybe if there is this larger vision, it is placed inside you to discover. The big vision is the small. Like they're all part of the same one thing. Contemplation seeks to help us get quiet, to discover what is inside us, and to discover that what is inside us is that vision for life. It it's just needs to be unlocked and discovered. It's an exciting journey. It's a journey of coming to a place of stillness so we can listen better. Listen to ourselves, listen to our, our internal voice, the voice within us, our consciousness, or our conscience, sorry. <laughs> to have the consciousness, to listen to our conscience, to believe that there is, like, that this big external voice, which we may call God, is also our quiet internal voice, that they're the same. And I, that's one of the beautiful things about contemplation, is it's, this idea, it's, it's what contemplatives call mystical union, but it's this idea that like the big voice of God in the world is also the still small voice in you because the goal is that we become unified, we become one. There's this, this oneness where it's not my vision and will in competition with God, it's not God's vision and will in opposition to me, but they're kind of, they're together. Like God is a binding energy, an embracing energy that draws us into a co-union. Like we're walking together. God is walking beside us. Um, there's this Old Testament prophet. I think it might be Isaiah, but there's this beautiful verse where God is speaking to Isaiah. He's speaking through Isaiah actually to the to the nation of Israel, the uh to the Hebrew nation at the time, but I love it. He says God says to Israel, "Do not be like the horse and mule which must be bridled with bit and or they won't come near you." Um I can't remember the second part of it. But he basically in the second part he talks about seeing like through God I can't remember the exact uh, 
wording, but it's like he and God's saying, don't be like this stubborn mule. I don't know if you know much about mules, but they're very stubborn. Like if you try to lead a mule and they don't want to go, they're not, they ain't going. <laughs> and like, you know, God's saying, don't be like that. This is not what I want. This is not my vision for how this whole thing works. I'm not trying to put a harness on you. And if you don't, if you know much about horses, I'm not, I'm not an equestrian expert, <laughs> but like the, the bit is this, there's this kind of loop in the middle and it, it's very uncomfortable. It's this rod in the, in the mouth and there's this loop at the bottom. I think it loops down. And when you pull on it, it hurts their mouth. It's painful. And you know, on the two ends of these, the, the straps, the, uh, leather straps and the, and I forget what it's called there's a name for it <laughs> it's early okay but like so when you pull on it it actually and, and you can kind of really turn their head very easily it's the easiest part to turn it's how you steer them but it's painful for them and God's like that's not how, this this is not the vision of how I want this to work I'm not trying to like harness you and like control you and force you to go somewhere and that second part is like, I want it to be like you're seeing through me and I'm seeing through you. And there's this cohesive, unified vision together. We choose to walk together. There's a humble, patient, quiet kind of relationship here where we get quiet and get in tune with God. And God is there to be in tune with us. And together we, we both walk in this vision it is created outside of ourselves, but it's also planted inside ourselves. And we need to get quiet to discover it. That's what the practice of stillness is about. Like we can be so caught up in the noise, and the excitement and the hustle and the busyness of life, pursuing things, chasing after things. Like sometimes you don't even stop to think about like, what, why am I even chasing after this? Where did this messaging come from? Who told me this is what I should be pursuing in my life? That this is what makes life good? Where did this come from? Stillness is about getting quiet and putting all that aside. At least, maybe you don't believe in God. Maybe you do. Maybe you're a devout religious person. Maybe you're an atheist. But like, contemplation at least says stop. Take time to put all of it down. Come into a place of stillness and quiet where you're starting to listen is there a God speaking to you? Is there a greater vision for your life? I don't know. I believe so, but, but maybe that's your response is, I don't know, but how will you know? The practice of stillness calls us to a place where we can at least create the space to listen. Contemplation, the very word means to look thoughtfully at something for a long time. Like, you know, what are we doing? The American culture is so impetuous. It's like just grab the first thing and run with it sometimes, right? Like the easy, the low-hanging fruit. It's like go get the house. Just like there's an easy vision that we can fall into that maybe isn't even ourselves and has, doesn't have anything to do with us. And maybe we actually hate this vision, but we've adopted it because it was the easy thing that came to us. Contemplation and stillness is about taking some time learning to be quiet, learning to calm all those voices and all that noise and all that messaging and that narrative that's been handed to you and maybe pushed on you and take some time to start to listen. Is there a voice speaking to you about a greater vision for your life? 
How will you know? The practice of stillness is how you know. Contemplation and meditation calls us to that place to get quiet. In a way, it's listening to ourselves, learning to listen to ourselves. In a way, it's how God speaks through us. And it, is, it also entails asking questions. Why am I here? Who am I meant to be? Why am I frustrated? What can I do different? Where should I be trying to get to? Why isn't this relationship working? What is it in me that needs to change? I ask questions all the time. And so I like some people talk about it in terms of the universe. Like instead of God, they talk about the universe, like this cosmic consciousness. Like you can think about it in lots of different ways, but like there's a very different mentality to life between me deciding a direction and me deciding what I want and me chasing after what I want and me asking questions. Asking, what am I meant for? Not what do I want and what, what seems to be pleasing to me at the time and pleasing for me to pursue or desire, but like what, asking the question is like what, what really does satisfy me? Who are we asking these questions of? That whole idea entails, the, in, entails this, you know, that there is a different, that there is a voice that, that speaks to us. There could be a difference between kind of the loud screaming voice of the world and what the world says we should be doing with our lives and maybe this personal, individual purpose that's a part of this big vision for the whole world and, and our part within it. Contemplation says, you know, teaches us to get quiet, to listen to try and hear that voice, and to ask questions and to listen. And it's like, it can be frustrating. It also entails waiting, <clears throat> being patient. Stillness is, it's about being patient. <clears throat> it's funny, there are times when I ask questions and immediately, like right away, bam, this thought comes to me and, and that's what I call God. You don't have to call that God, but it's like an answer comes, right? I ask a question of the universe. An answer comes. There are times when I ask a question, and I ask it over and over, it seems like, for years. Finally, it comes. But you know what? In the process, in the process of listening, guess what? You're not in control. It's a letting go. It's a surrendering and saying, when the answer comes, I'm going to listen. I'm going to ask. When the answer comes, it will come. It won't come when I want, how I want. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be patient. I'm, that's what stillness is about. It's not chasing after, trying to get the easy, the loud, you know, well, this seems to be the answer. It's not manufacturing the answer. It's not producing it. It's listening for it to come to you. Again, you're still, you're waiting, you're patient. It's going to come to you. Do you believe that? Well, you've got to practice it, right? If it takes two years, would you rather have the, the right answer, whatever question you're asking, especially the question of purpose and vision, would you rather have the answer that fits you or the easy answer, the quick answer? Like sometimes the quick and easy answer is not the right answer. 
And if you find yourself in life chasing after things that don't seem to be satisfying, if you're frustrated, maybe you're going for the easy answer or you're just making an answer up. Learning to be patient and still, learning to listen means it's not in your control. It's a surrendering. It's, and it's a beautiful process. Like It's beautiful to begin to hear. I can tell you, it's, it's really cool when answers come to you. And it, it can't, it's hard to describe, but it's like there is just this sense. Like, it just feels right. You've been asking, you've been wrestling, but you've been waiting. And, you, and you've decided not to move until you get that answer. And when you really begin to find this space and this stillness and this quiet and begin to listen, you do begin to hear and you begin to learn what that hearing even looks like. And now for me, it's become so much a part of how I move through the world and how I live. It's I ask questions, I wait and I listen. Even when it's frustrating and hard and even in hard circumstances, even when things seem terribly wrong and there's oppression and suffering, I wait. Um, I remember when I worked at the thrift store and I w it was... I'd stepped down from my leadership position, and it was just not a great environment for me. It felt like everybody was against me, and I just wanted to leave. So I was asking God, like, what do I do? Like, I'm just done with this. And, and everything, everything around me, the energy all around me is, like, pushing me out. And God said, no, wait, not now. And I was like, ah, okay, all right. <laughs> you know, there is a timing to things. And, and surrendering to this greater vision is the acceptance and the understanding that we don't have the timing. We don't know, but we're waiting and we're going to be patient even when it's hard, even when it's frustrating, even when it doesn't seem good, even when it's not gratifying to wait and we're frustrated and, and we're suffering. Waiting because waiting entails the right time and the right direction. The right word the right answer it's a limited single unifying vision forward something that draws us constant along a line it's not perfect it doesn't mean we don't have sidetracks in life of course but I mean is there a unified vision for your life moving you in a single direction that's what vision is about getting in tune and learning to listen means it's outside of us it's outside of ourselves it's also inside of ourselves <laughs> we get quiet and we listen most of the time it comes to me through realizations what some people call epiphanies a lot of times they're just this thought that just comes to me uh, it's, it's like a voice that spoke my, into my thoughts I've never heard an audible voice Um, I'm actually getting flagged. My podcast recording is telling me I'm reaching the critical mass of my time limit. So um, I hope that does make sense, though, listening. That's part of this vision, like that there is a vision beyond ourselves also built into us. I hope that does make sense, and I hope you can begin to learn to practice that stillness, to listen, to get quiet. That's what contemplation and meditation is about. So... That's what vision is about, getting in tune with this larger vision. Um, I hope that encourages you to, to start to 
to want to do that. Um, as always, I th- thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you tuning in, and I hope that this is helpful, encouraging, and hopeful for you. It is hopeful to, to have that vision, to walk in that vision. It's renewing, and it's every day is this, oh my gosh, what do I get to do today? It's great. It's beautiful. Um, it's grounding in so many ways. I'm walking this greater path. It's bigger than me. But it's also built into me. It's who I'm meant to be. It's exciting, and it's, it can be challenging. It can be scary, but it's also so life-giving and good. I want that for you, too. I've, I've come into this place, and I've learned to walk in this way, this listening way of stillness, letting uh, the divine lead me. I want that for you, too. It's beautiful, and it's hopeful, and it's such a different way to live. So we're going to continue to discuss the practice of stillness, and vision is just a part of it. I've got some more coming up. So thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks for paying attention. I love all of you. I hope the best for you. Um, as always, you can catch more content, the other uh, parts of this series, at www.moderncontemplative.com. This has been the Modern Contemplative Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori. Thanks, guys. Thanks for com- for joining me. See ya.